And it was just such a fun trip. Um, you know, there's over 500 of us that went, and on Saturday we split up into these 30 different work groups to go to these different places. And, and what's been really encouraging is that happened two weeks ago, and ever since then, there have been some of those groups that have gone back. In fact, there's a group over there right now, you know, that, that they just couldn't get enough of it. You know, last week another group went back to that same location and going, gosh, we just... It's like addicting, you know, this service is so enjoyable. And then the one word that kept coming back in everyone's mouth was, was, was thankful. They're like, I came home and I was just so thankful for everything I had. I was so thankful for that experience that we had as a family to go down and serve together. And that, it, it wasn't like this chore. It wasn't like, oh, I was miserable, but I sucked it up and I did it for God and I'm miserable because of it. it it's, it's, you know, instead, it's like, gosh, what an amazing experience. How grateful I am to have served God. And, and that's so important because, gosh, unless we have that attitude of thanksgiving, even in our serving of Him, then we've got it all wrong. See, there's a lot of serving going on in the church. You know, we, we have people that this week were, were down in Louisiana, you know, and, and serving, you know, a Thanksgiving dinner to, to Katrina victims. You know, we, we've got many of you who have been packing food boxes that will be going all around the world and we'll be showing you that in, in a couple of weeks. We have some of you that serve every single week in this church and serving is a big part of our church but I, I want to talk about something regarding serving today because if we're not careful, serving can actually become an ugly thing in the church. Believe it or not, if we don't serve with the right attitude, it, it actually it, it becomes something that could even belittle who God is. And when we see this, we see it in Scripture. You know, in Psalm chapter 50, there's this group of people, while they're serving God and they're bringing offerings, they're giving to the Lord, they're sacrificing to the Lord, they're showing up for worship to the Lord, and yet God's going, well, I don't really need that. And here's what I'm trying to say, I guess. Excuse me, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been sick, you know, for the last few weeks, and last night, just, you ever take NyQuil? Okay, you know, and, and for me, it doesn't leave my system. It's like I'm still in this fog, and, and I never use the cup. I just kind of take a sip, and then, you know, whenever I feel like, and I wake up in the middle of the night coughing like crazy, take another sip, and I did it like three times last night, and so I'm still like... But I went to Starbucks. I thought that would counteract it, and, it, and it's, not really, it's not really working. And so if I, uh, if I don't make sense, just listen to last week's message, get the DVD. That was good. Last week I was clear. Um... But, but here's the thing with the giving, because this is, this is a very, 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 very important point. Um, I struggled with serving for a lot of my Christian life. I always did it, but I did it with this proud attitude where I felt like when I was done with a mission trip or I was done serving God, it was like this attitude of, look what I just did for you. You know, and almost a sense of accomplishment of, okay, I'm paying you back. I know you've done so much for me, God, and look, I'm, I'm giving it right back to you. And uh, I, I was even talking to a lady a couple of weeks ago who said, gosh, I, have, I don't feel like I've paid God back yet for everything he's done for me. And, you know, my question was, you really think you can? You're, you really think that there's anything you could do that would be of equal value to him giving his son to die on a cross for you? You know, but it's so easy to get in this mentality. And, and I know for some of you, you grew up in these religions that were based upon works. And it's hard to get that out of your head. 
This is this feeling like I gotta do enough. I've gotta earn God's favor. I've got to work my way to salvation. It's not easy. You don't just wake up one day and you shake that off. It's, it's hard when that's ingrained in your head, this mentality of I'm working for something or I'm earning heaven. When God says, that's the last thing I want you to do. You try to do that and you'll never get there. And for some of you, maybe it's not this pride of I'm going to repay you or I'm going to get my own way in. There's also the insecurity that some of us deal with. That maybe we were raised in homes where whole lives we felt like, gosh, unless I match up to this standard, I'm not going to be loved by my parents. Unless I do enough, unless I, I just do everything right, you know, they're going to withdraw their love from me. And so then we start transferring that into our relationship with God where we're constantly wondering, okay, is that enough? Now do you accept me? Now am I good enough? And, and there's this constant working and fighting our sin for the purpose of trying to gain someone's approval or their love. And, and we do these things and, 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 and it's not something we just shake off immediately. For a lot of us, we fight it, we fight it, we fight it. Whether it's this pride of I'm going to earn everything I get. And you, you put heaven in that. Or this insecurity of, I don't know if God loves me enough. I don't know if God loves me yet. I don't know if I'm good enough. And Gosh, that's so, so dangerous, either of those. Because you're, you're never going to understand the whole thought of thanksgiving. You'll never truly be able to thank God if you spend your whole life trying to do enough for Him or be good enough for Him then you'll never just sit back and thank God for His grace and thank God for His goodness. Thank God that He loves you. Some of us, the hardest thing for us to do in life is just take a deep breath and accept God's love and realize there's nothing you can do to get more of it. There's no sin you can get rid of in order for Him to love you more that He loves you in spite of your sin. He loves you in spite of your shortcomings. And this whole idea of serving isn't something we're doing to earn anything or get in His good graces, but it's just to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So we talk about intimacy with God, but for a lot of us there's this wall here. And until we can get past it, this wall that says, okay, I've got to earn this love. I've got I to get there. I've got to attain. I've got to be good enough. I've got to succeed. And you've got to knock that down. And hopefully the scriptures will help you do that today. You see, you've got to understand something. And, and then maybe we just say it right off the bat. God doesn't need you. Okay? What, what does he need me for? Okay, especially in light of last week's message. Okay, when you look at the universe, you look at the galaxies, you see this little earth, you know, and then I'm on. What does he need me to do for him? No, it's nothing. What does he need me for? Nothing. But the amazing truth about this book, and I believe the central theme of this book, is that you've got God in heaven declaring clearly, I don't need you, but. I want you. <laughs> it's, just, it's just amazing, amazing truth of this God saying, I don't need you to work for me. What do you think you're doing down there? You know, you're giving me things that I didn't have to begin with. I don't need you. 
I desire you though. And it's this amazing, amazing truth because most of our lives we have people coming to us that don't really talk to us unless they need something from us, right? And then you have those few individuals that just want you. And that's God. God's saying, I don't need, what are you going to add to my life, to my existence? But I desire you. I love you. I want you. And our acts of service are not because God needs them, but they're offerings of thanks. And they're things that we desire where we go, God, you know what? It's good to serve you. It's good to obey your laws. Everything you do is good. Everything I do for you is good and makes my life more wonderful. That's what this is about. That's what Thanksgiving is about. Understanding Thanksgiving. And until we understand it, you know, we're not going to understand intimacy with God. See, in Psalm 50, you have people who were serving God. They were just serving Him with the wrong motives. And he starts off this psalm in a very powerful way. First, God establishes who He is and explains that He's going to judge you know, our actions. He's, he's the judge. He starts off in, in verse 1 of Psalm 50 so powerfully, with so much authority. It says this, The Mighty One, <coughs> God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before Him and around Him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that He may judge His people. Gather to Me My consecrated ones who made a covenant with Me by sacrifice. And the heavens proclaim His righteousness for God Himself is judge. Okay, so He just starts off with this, these powerful, powerful images of Him. He goes, you know what's going to happen? God comes and He summons everyone. Okay, you've got this God, this being, this amazing being, and He calls everyone to account. The whole earth comes before Him. And I love that last phrase. It says, you know, for God Himself is judge. He's the judge. Okay, period. He Himself, He is the only judge. And that's such, a, such an obvious phrase, I think, but in today's world it isn't. And I, I talk to so many people who in their arrogance judge God. And they sit around just judging his actions. Well, why did he allow this? Why did he do this? Why did he do this? Oh, I can't wait to talk to him because I've got a lot of questions. And, and, and your, your mentality, because of your arrogance, believing that everything revolves around you and your brain, you know, and your knowledge and your wisdom, you believe that you're actually going to judge God? You know, but, but this first section is God explained that, look, it doesn't revolve around you. It's not about you judging me. I alone am judged. And it talks about this being who comes down perfect in beauty, just shining forth. And it says that there's this fire that devours before him. So you get this picture of this being coming down before earth and this raging fire that just devours everything in its path. And he says around him is this tempest that rages. And he's got this storm raging around him, a fire devouring before him, and your thought is, ooh, I can't wait till he comes so I can judge him. <laughs> okay. You, you know, it's just this whole idea of he's saying, no, he comes, he summons us. You got that? He hasn't come down so you can say, hey, how come uh, you let those people starve? 
He comes down so he can look at you and say, hey, how come you let those people starve? He's the judge. He himself is the judge. He calls people into account. Did you understand from the message last week that the world doesn't revolve around you? It revolves around this Creator and He's coming. And as He says that, then He goes on, and this is the part that really, um, gosh, I, I think is pertinent to us. Because now He speaks to those who were actually sacrificing and giving to Him, the people of Israel. He, he speaks to them in verse 7. He says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. In verse 8 He says, I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings which are ever before me. Okay, so first he says, he goes, I'm not coming to judge you or rebuke you or confront you because of your sacrifices. He's not saying, you guys never bring any sacrifices like I told you. You never offer me anything. He goes, he goes no, they're ever before me. He goes, so, so that part, I'm not confronting you. Because you guys serve me. You guys give to me. You guys offer me. I am not rebuking you for that. But as you see in the next few verses, he rebukes him for the way in which they served him the way in which they offered and sacrificed to him. Verse 9, he says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will honor me. See, see it, it seems like the people of Israel, they, they were bringing these sacrifices to God as though they were doing Him a favor, like He needed it, like they were delivering Him. You know, and He's saying, well, what are you thinking? You think I need you to bring these sacrifices? And I'm in heaven going, oh, thank you. I was so hungry. And until you sacrificed that bull, I had nothing to eat. He goes, if I was hungry, you're the last person I would call on. He goes, I don't need from you. And, and sometimes, you know, I hear people speak about serving God as though, you know, I, I, oh, he really needed me to come through for him. Think about who you are. Think about who God is. And make sure you're not serving in a way that belittles him. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because it seems like what these people were doing is uh, they were transferring some of their pagan rituals, things they were used to, and trying to transfer that mentality onto their worship of God. Because they used to have these pagan rituals where they would, they would sacrifice meat to these idols and, and believe that the idols were actually inhabiting them or eating them. And so they're thinking, oh, okay, that's what God needs also. And I, I used to do that as a child, um, actually, in, in, in Hong Kong, you know, and we would, uh, we, we would burn and offer food to these idols, you know, and even when someone dies, you know, they would burn, you know, money, you know, and, and it's always fake money. You burn this money believing that they would get it in heaven, and you start doing that to idols, you start doing that statues, thinking you're helping these gods along, giving them money, giving them food, giving them this or that. It seems like the Israelites were transferring that type of pagan ritual onto this worship of Almighty God. And God's saying, don't think you're helping me out here. He goes, I'm the deliverer. He goes, I don't need you to give me all this stuff. 
Okay, he goes, I, he goes, in verse 14, he goes, sacrifice thank offerings. I want you to thank me. Okay, I don't want you to feel like you've got to give to me or earn something for me. I just want you to thank me. Give me thank offerings. The thank offerings are really interesting. Um, I can read about them in Leviticus chapter 7. And, and the idea was, uh, you gave a thank offering when you were so overwhelmed with God's blessings on your life. And you just go, look at this. Look at this. And, and you just, you, you know how when someone gives you something, you're so blown away, you just want to call him, thank him, you want to, you know, you're just so overwhelmed that you just want to show appreciation in some way. That was the idea of a thank offering. It's like, God, you gave me this, uh, you know, here, I just want to give you this bull out of my field. I want to sacrifice it to you. Here's some pigeons. Here's some grain. Here's, here's this. This is just to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Not in a sense of earning it, you know, and, and he does mention the idea of fulfill your vows after that in verse 14. Sacrifice, thank offering to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High. Because in association with those thank offerings, sometimes when the people would pray to God, they would ask for a certain thing and say, gosh, I want this so badly, Lord, and I'll, I'll give you the, the best of my field. I'll give you this, I'll give you that if you do this for me. And he says, if you make that type of vow, you better fulfill it. Okay, now the Bible warns against vows. The Bible warns against, hey, don't just blatantly, you know, flippantly, oh God, I promise you, I'll never do this again. And I, I, I look back at my life and can think of times when I've said things like that to God and it's just so foolish and, and still there's still a sense of shame like, oh, why in the world did I promise that? Ever done that? You feel so sick to your stomach because of something you did, a sin in your life. And so you come before God and go, God, I promise you, just forgive me. I'll never do it again. And then what do you do? Do it again. Well, this time I mean it. Right? <laughs> Haven't we done that? Just making these vows, these promises. If you do this for me, I do that for you. And, and that's why the Bible warns against that. Being careful because part of that's just arrogance. You know, but if you make a vow, if you do make a vow, he goes, you fulfill it. That's why you know, we, 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 we treat marriage as so sacred here. Um, and biblically, God treats this so sacred because it's one of those few times in life where you stand before God and you do declare a vow. And you do say, God, I promise you, I'm making a vow to you today for better, for worse, richer, for poor, and sickness and health. And I know it's going to get difficult. I know how tough this is going to get, but I'm promising you, God, I'm going to love this person. I'm going to cherish her as long as I live. And God says, you make that vow, you better keep it. Because you don't just lightly step into my presence and promise me something and then not fulfill it. This is a vow. And, uh, but this idea of the thank offering, you know, it was this idea that I'm so blessed by God and I just love, I love, I, I love him. I want to thank him. I just want to show some gratitude here. And so I'm giving, and that's the way our offering, that's the way our service should look. Not feeling like we're earning something. That's why God says immediately afterwards, he says, and you call on me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you. See, verse 15, you know, you call on me and I deliver you. It's not like I'm in heaven calling upon you guys on the earth to rescue me. You guys, I'm starving. Cook me something. You know, it, that's not the way this relationship works. It's not this works thing. You've got to get it through your head. 
Okay, you're not earning something. You're not delivering God. You're not helping Him out. You're the one that calls on Him and He delivers you. See, just like God is the only judge who exists, you've got to understand that God is also the only giver. You're not a giver. You don't give. Everything comes from Him, right? What do you have that you weren't given? He explains, look, I'm the one that made everything. Everything on the earth belongs to me. And I'm giving to you. I'm the deliverer. Don't think that you're giving me something. Who made that cow? He goes, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. This is all mine. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So I've got to go through life realizing I'm not a giver. And if I think that I'm truly giving to God something that He doesn't already have, I'm sadly mistaken and I'm belittling God who owns it all. You know, uh, it's, uh, I think it's really clearly seen if you have your Bibles in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, <coughs> excuse me, Anyone have NyQuil? Acts 17, verse uh, 24. Acts 17, verse 24. Uh, here, here God's making it so clear again. Oh, I love this passage. The God who made the world, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And He is not served by human hands as if He needed anything because He Himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man He made every nation of men that they should inhabit the earth. And He determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. You see that? What does God need from you? Did He need you to raise money to build this building, this church, because He didn't have anywhere to live? Because what do you think you do there on the earth? You think you're building these temples so you're making a home for me? He goes, I don't need that. He goes, you think I need to be served by little human hands? He goes, you think God Almighty needs these little people? People, you guys are people. These little humans. Yeah, I need your little hands to do little works for me because I'm not powerful enough because I'm not served by human hands. I don't need a little human house to live in. He goes, remember, I gave you life. You're alive right now because of me. I give everything. He goes, now why did I do all this? Why did I determine for you to live on this earth the exact time you did and have all these circumstances in your life? One reason that maybe you'd seek for me, that you'd want me, that you'd fellowship with me, that you'd reach out for me and find me because I'm not far from you. I'm right there. Oh, such a beautiful, beautiful passage, isn't it? It's God just saying, all I want from you is relationship. Don't spend your life trying to do stuff for me like I need that. 
Don't spend your life trying to earn forgiveness or make up for the evil you've done. Just reach out for me. Call on me and let me deliver you. You see, here's the sad truth. While God in heaven screams out, I don't need you, but I want you, oftentimes we scream back, I know I need you, but I don't want you. I don't really want your commands. I don't really want to be under them. I don't really want to serve you. I'd rather just use my time for myself. Do you desire God? You know, I talked about, you know, several weeks ago about how sometimes early in our faith we can look at all the commands as these burdens. God, oh, okay. I know I need you for salvation, so I'll try to obey your commands, but I don't like them. And I know I ought to serve you, and I feel guilty. I see a Mexico video, I didn't go, I feel guilty. All right, next one, I'll, I'll try to go. Because I know I ought to. And it's this whole issue of, uh, of desire. You see, it's, it's God in heaven who's done everything for us. Given us life. You know, he's, he's given us c- commands for our own good. And hopefully you come to a point in your life at some point where you begin to love his commands and say, gosh, it's thanks for these commands. Every time I obey them, it seems like life works out better. You really do know what's best for me. Every time the people around me obey your commands, my life ends up better. These commands lead to life. Your word says these are good. It's good when we don't murder. You know? It's just, it's just nice when you guys don't murder me. You know, it's just, it's just so good when, when we can trust one another with, you know, you know what, there's no adultery going on. There's no this, there's no lying, there's no deception. There's, you, you know, we're not working ourselves to the bone. We're taking a day of rest. You know, all, all these things just go, gosh, this is really good. This is really good. And then we go out and we serve, and there's so much pleasure in that for us. You know, when, when we... Uh, I've talked about this before. When I come back, like when I came back from Africa and I'm just on fire because I go, gosh, when I saw all of those orphans in the school that we built, you know, and they're clothed and they're fed and you guys are all sponsoring them. And I walk in a room and all these little orphans are clapping and screaming. You just go, no way. There's no fulfillment like this on earth. It is so much better to give than to receive it's so good to help these people. You know, when you, you leave Mexico and you leave a family you just built a house for, you know, you see the smile on their face and you, you live, you feed off of that for the rest of your life going, man, I remember when I did that. And you just have this whole stockpile of all these things you did in your past where you went out thinking you were just serving God and in reality it was for your own good. And you get so much fulfillment, such a rush from that. And you realize every time I gave financially to God, it's like I was blessed, everything was taken care of. And you go, man, the more I give, it seems like the more I have. And you realize, gosh, every time I try to give to God, I really don't. And you realize He's the only giver. Everything good comes from Him. Are you there yet? Are you desiring His law? Do you like living for Him? See, it's, 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 you want to be careful because if you despise His laws... Really, the Bible says that's the sign of those who are wicked. You look at verse 16, those who really aren't his. Uh, (coughs) Continue in Psalm 50, verse 16. 
He says, but to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips? You hate my instruction and cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you join with him. You throw in your lot with adulterers. You use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue to deceit. You speak continually against your brother and slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silent. You thought I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and accuse you to your face. Consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you to pieces with none to rescue. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. God says to the wicked, he goes, okay, for you guys who hate my instruction, you show it because you just cast it behind you. He goes, and when someone lies, you jump in with them. When someone steals, you, you join them. You commit adultery. You, you have sex outside of marriage. You do all these things that I hate, showing me that you just hate my instruction. You found some better way. He goes, and, and yet all this while, he goes, because I'm being silent and I haven't punished you yet, he says, you think that I'm like you, and that I'm okay with what you're doing, even though I've already told you that I'm not. He, you know, it's like in uh, Romans 2, he explains that God's patience and his kindness should lead us to repentance. But oftentimes it doesn't. It makes us feel like, okay, God hasn't punished me yet, so I got away with it. Let me do something else. Let me do something else. And he explains, you're just storing up wrath for yourself, he says there in Romans 2. He goes, my patience should be leading you to repentance. And he says here, he goes, because I've been silent and I haven't poured out my wrath on you, you think, oh, everything's fine. He says, it's not fine. And he explains that there's going to come a day when he's not going to be silent anymore. That's what this passage is about. He's going to come and, he's, and the fire is going to rage. The storm's going to rage and he's going to come and he's going to judge. And he's not going to be silent. In fact, he says, Though, consider this, those of you who forget God, he goes, or well, I'm going to tear you to pieces with none to rescue. And again, like I said in the beginning, we live in a world where we are so arrogant and we have this whole mentality, God, you have no right to judge and how can a loving God punish you know, you, you, you're not allowed to punish. You can't, you can't punish if you love. And we start buying into that mentality, you know, with our own kids. Oh, okay, I better not punish them because I love them. Yeah, then your kids run out of control. You know, it's this whole idea of, of just, okay, love and punishment don't go together. And yet God says, no, 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 they, they absolutely go together. And, and fairness, you know, you can't be fair and not punish. You know, this whole idea of teaching this, and, and yet, you know, God says here, I will tear you to pieces. This, this is going to happen. And you can sit here and philosophize and judge God and say, oh, I don't think he'll punish. I don't think that can really happen. And God's just saying, that's fine. But there's going to come a day. I'll come and I'll tear you to pieces. And look, I'm not up here saying, oh, this is great. He's going to come tear people up. You know, I... I it's not like I'm crazy about his judgment and his punishment. I'm just unwilling to pretend it's not going to happen because I don't like it. I'm not going to go with the rest of the world and try to reinterpret some of these passages. So people do that all through Scripture. They go, well, that doesn't really mean that. It must mean something else. Oh yeah, tear you to pieces can mean a lot of things. 
You know, I just, you just, that, that's just my logic, okay? Maybe I'm crazy, but I look at some of these passages and go, I don't know how else to interpret it. I don't know what else a lake of fire and tormenting people day and night forever and ever. I don't know how else to take that other than in its literal form. And so I just take heed to these warnings and go, okay, you know what? This God is going to come. He is the judge. I'm not. He's going to come. He judges. He has every right for that. But, but I love the way he ends this. You know, because in verse 23, he's, he's saying, this is what I want you to consider. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. Okay, this is why this is so important. This is why you've got to understand thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving, when you understand that your job is not to judge, not to give, only to give thanks. He goes, when you understand that, then that's when the door of salvation is open to you. That's why this is so important. If you don't get the principle of thanksgiving, you can't understand salvation. The whole mentality behind salvation is when you can sit back, do nothing, and just go, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross. That's it. That's your job. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. You did everything. I can't add anything to that. Thank you for the cross. You said, I was helpless. I was going to be punished for my sins. Then you sent your son down. He dies on a cross and he pays for everything. Pays for everything. So my only responsibility is just to accept that and go, oh, thank you for that free gift. He goes, when you get that, now the door of salvation is open. But when you go through life thinking, I'm going to pay you back, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, where does all the attention go? Me, 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 me. I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to be good enough. You know, I'm going to make sure I live a good enough life so that I can be worthy of baptism. I can be worthy of communion. I can be worthy of heaven. I, 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 I. When he's the only giver. See, when your life is about thanksgiving, then he gets all the glory. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for letting me go and be your hands and feet and feed the people in Mexico. Thank you for giving me finances so that I could pack this box. And thank you, thank you, 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 you. And he gets all the glory. Is that the way you live your life? Everything hinges on this. Listen, I know some of you come in here with a lot of baggage. I do. And a lifetime of insecurity and pride that either says I'm going to pay you back or insecurity that says I'm worried I'm not good enough yet. And we work, work, work for all the wrong reasons rather than just giving thank offerings. And I tell you, our whole salvation hinges on this, so you got to get it right. You can't have intimacy with God if you're going to spend your whole life trying to work for Him, do enough for Him. You'll never get there. You'll never understand Thanksgiving and what this is all about until you can stop running, slow down, sit down, and just thank Him. That's what communion's all about. When we take of the bread, take of the cup, that's not a work. Okay? And again, some of you may have grown up in religions where you just really felt like you were doing something for God or earning His graces by taking this bread, taking this cup, is that what Jesus said to do it for? He said, do this in remembrance of me. 
just to remember me. Just, just do it to remember me. Just to remember what I did for you. Why do we remember the cross? So we thank him for it. We remember, oh yeah, it's not about me. I'm not earning my way. When I take this bread, I take of the cup. This is the time where I go, God, thank you. Because of this cup, because of this blood that was shed, I'm completely forgiven. Completely forgiven. I can't add anything to this cup. Thank you. Thank you for your own son whose, whose body was broken. That was you reaching down to me. Not, I didn't do anything to deserve that. Thank you. The ushers are going to come forward and they're going to pass the bread and pass the cup. And this is for those of us who believe. If you don't believe that Jesus died for you and you're not here just to thank him, then let the bread, let the cup pass. This is, the Bible warns against that, that you only take of this if you believe and you'd have to take this of a worthy manner. You know, it's a very sacred time, a very intimate time where we just come before God and go, gosh, I have nothing to offer except for a thank you. It's crazy and it strikes against our pride for those of us who want to pay back and earn things. We just have to sit back and say, wow, what can I give the one who made the world and owns everything in it? Yet he gave to me. Accept that free gift. Thank him. And that's when the door of salvation is open. And some of you, maybe today, you realize, I've never accepted it because I thought I needed to be good enough. I've never been baptized because I wanted to do this first and this first and this first until I finally felt worthy of being baptized. If you ever feel worthy of being baptized, you shouldn't do it. Okay? It's only when you come to the end of yourself and realize, wow, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this bread, this cup. I don't deserve any of this. Thank you. Then the door of salvation is open to you. If you guys need prayer or anything else, I'll be up here in the prayer room. But the rest of us, as you take that bread, just thank God. That's all. Don't make any promises. Oh, because of this, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Because of this cup, don't do any of that. Just say, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.